Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dreamer Talks. My name is Abby Volkovich, and I'm your host. It is my job on this podcast to introduce you to dreamers from many different fields and walks of life. It is important to note that we can learn many things from the people we surround ourselves with. This is why I have ventured out to interview dreamers who are willing to share their journey with us. In life, problems are sometimes referred to as putting out fires. Our guest today is someone who literally does that. Harry Maudlin is a volunteer firefighter back home, and today he is going to share with us all the intricate details of what it's like to become a firefighter and to be a firefighter. IDC Radio, 106.2 FM. Today, I'm joined with Harry Maudlin. Hello, Harry. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, so, Harry, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're from, what you're doing in life right now. Uh, I know you're studying also, same as me, at IDC. Uh, but yeah, I'll let you introduce yourself, and then we'll get into some questions back and forth uh, about your life. Sure. So I'm from Long Island, New York. I'm 21, and uh, I'm in my second year at IDC studying communications with a focus on marketing. Nice, nice. And uh, so I want to get into the whole, uh, how old are you right now, if you don't mind me asking? 21. 21. Okay, so before you came to IDC, you know, you're, you're now in your second year, You, when I first met you, you told me that you were doing something, I, w- I want to say out of the ordinary for people that are 18, 19 to start doing, which is firefighting. Um, now when, when you first told me that, I literally just thought of little kids in Halloween or in Purim, uh, dressing up as firemen and saying to their parents, you know, I want to be a fireman when I grow up. And it's one of those careers that is always seen as, you know, little kids are really wanting to be firemen and you actually went out and did it. Um, when did you, when did that all begin? Why? Uh, I don't know if you can get into it a little bit. Sure. So when I was 15, when I had entered high school, it was a requirement that we had to complete 30 hours a year of community service. And the school provided some programs like um, cleaning up pollution at the beach or tutoring. And it, that kind of stuff really didn't interest me. So I was looking for stuff that was outside the school. And one day I just find a letter in the mail from the local fire department, the letterhead saying, become a junior firefighter get community service hours and it's something that really interests me both to get community service hours and to learn how to become a fireman so it just looked like a great opportunity so I jumped on it so I I had an interview at the fire department I got through all the stages and became a junior firefighter when I was 15 and after doing the training at the junior fire department by the time I was 17 I had the opportunity to take it to the next level and become a full firefighter and this is uh the age of 17 you said 17 Mm -hmm. wow and at that point it just made 100 percent sense that was the right move to make and i did it and never looked back wow that's incredible and so that means you were still in high school and you were a full volunteer firefighter right can, yes. the, the structure of uh, the department where you were at, you, you were telling me a little bit about it. It's more volunteer focused. Uh, I don't know how much you can get into on how exactly the the framework 
but if you can maybe share what the track is if someone who might be listening is 14 and wants to get those community service hours like yourself to kind of get to the point where you have gotten i don't know if you can share a little bit yeah for sure so it's a 100 percent volunteer department that i serve at and that's based off of you go on calls you go to meetings whenever you have time more or less it works out that if you're not available somebody else will be so when I'm in school, I'm in school. Um, I don't really have the opportunity to leave and go to the fire department for whatever it may be. But whether I'm home, whether it's the morning, whether it's in the middle of the night, when I had first started, when I was 17, I was very eager to show up as much as I could. Mm-hmm. So if my pager woke me up at 3 a.m., I, I was on the truck and I was ready to go. So that just sounds crazy to me. If the pager goes, I'm ready to go. And... I mean, I also had my share of, uh, in Hebrew, the word is akpatsot, or, uh, wow, the alarms, you know, to, to go out and just, uh, there's a, something happening. And for, the, for you, it's, there's a saying that goes, you know, run headfirst into a burning building. Uh, and that's literally what you're doing. So can you talk about that sensation, maybe even the first time of, like, that fear and, and adrenaline, like, what really goes through your mind when you're running headfirst into a burning building like that just sounds crazy to me so the first burning building i ran into was it was in the middle of the night it was i got woken up by my pager at around 3 30 a.m and when the pager goes off the dispatcher gives you the message and the message is done by code it depends on whatever signal so there are three signals that happen that come quite often which are a signal eight a signal nine and a signal ten Signal 8 is an automatic alarm. More or less, the fire alarm just went off. Maybe somebody was cooking. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. was smoking. And usually the end result is it's not a fire. A Signal 9 is a medical emergency where the best possible thing to do is probably contact an ambulance. Mm-hmm. And a Signal 10 is a working fire. And that's the call that we're all training for. We're all waiting to get. If you can... Because I, I mean, I personally don't know what a working fire means. If you can maybe determine what that term really means for the listeners and myself. <laughs> sure. So a working fire is unless, by the time you get there and until you do anything to the fire, that fire is still growing. Mm-hmm. Got it. So I get the call and I wake up at around 3.30. I hear the pager go off and I'm just under the impression it's going to be a signal eight. And I hear a signal 10 mutual aid. So a mutual aid means that either we called another department to help us or another department called us to help them mm-hmm. and ended up being another department asked us to help them. So once I heard signal 10, it's almost like I had drank 10 cups of coffee and I was just awake <laughs> and ready to go. <laughs> you know, this is uh, the real thing that you've been training for. Yeah. Right. So at that point, I'm awake and there's no possible way I'm missing this. Mm-hmm. I have a twin brother and he didn't have his pager on. I didn't even think of waking him up. I just went. Yeah, like, and you're both in the you're both in the department. Yes, we're both in the department. And so I take my car. I drive to the department. And as I'm driving there, I hear the fire department sirens. So I originally thought that meant that the truck had left. So I drove a little faster, uh, <laughs> maybe a couple of miles over the speed limit. But who's checking? Right, you're you're going to save people from a fire. I think uh, we'll let this one slide. <laughs> it's justifiable. Um, and so I get to the department, get my gear, go on the truck. And then we get to the house. And by the time I get to the house, 
I could see the fire from about like 15 meters away. Wow. And at that point, that's when it really hit me. Like, this is going to be the first time I run into a burning building. And when you have a group of people, everyone has a different job. Mm -hmm. So some people are going to be going in with tools. Some people are going to be going in with a hose. It really depends whatever the chief wants you to do. It was my first burning building at this point. I was 17 years old, a teenager. And it did not seem like it was in the chief's best interest to have me going with the hose at that given time, which is fine. Um, so my specific job at that given moment was to take the hose from outside the house and help get the hose into the building with the firefighters who ran in. So originally I was stationed outside. And over time, after the first like hour or so, I had made my way into the burning building. And at that point, I held the hose with the firefighters inside the building and collectively we put out the fire wow that I'm, I'm taking a breath there to really absorb that whole scene um if you can maybe talk to the feelings that that went through that hour of you know you're supposed to be outside and then suddenly you're going inside i mean i, I want to say that probably your training had a lot to do with it in the the mindset that you've practiced a lot of different uh habits to, that get you into the mentality of like, okay, I got to do it. And, and it kind of pushes the fear out. I mean, I don't want to put thoughts and concepts into your, you know, speak for you, but can you maybe talk to what that was like? Uh, it was definitely exciting. Mm -hmm. It's something I've been working for and looking forward to for a very long time. I joined in December mm -hmm. and my first burning building was in, I want to say June. This is a long time ago. I couldn't tell you the day in June, right. but I could tell you it was in June. Um, I wasn't scared. It, mm -hmm. it really, fear didn't really hit me, but what did hit me was I was very nervous because when you go on air, going on air is the term where you put the mask on, you turn on the pack and you have air coming through the, the pack on your back. Mm -hmm. If you have like a good breathing style, it's about 45 minutes and those 45 minutes should only be used inside the burning building. They, you shouldn't be wasting them if you're not in. So from about, like, I want to say seven to 10 meters out, I realized at one point I was going to end up in the burning building. And it kind of hit me, like, I have to make a big decision. Do I put on my pack now, go on air, or do I stop right outside the house and kind of let everyone else deal with the mm -hmm. fire while I'm putting on my pack? And it made more sense to me to not delay everyone else and to just, when I had time, from about like seven meters out, just to put on the mask and to then go in. And overall, I mean, it, it seemed like the right decision. So I'm very happy that I had made that decision and I didn't hold anyone up. And every, everything we do is learning experience, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you could have a great experience, like everything could go right, and you're only gonna focus on what you didn't do right. Because whatever happened, like correct that's great but we're not focused on that we're focused on how we can fix everything we do so right. even though i was already satisfied with my decision uh when i when i went home at around 8 a.m that day and took a very nice nap um i was kind of thinking of how i could have bettered my work experience in that mm -hmm. given time yeah i think that you, you bring up a really good point of uh reflection on on anything really 
I mean, you're you're speaking to something that is insanely intense of a burning building, but I think that can be applied, you know, for the listeners that are completely disconnected to firefighting. It can really be applied to any task um, or goal that they set for themselves. You know, after you've done a, a marathon or even a three-kilometer run, it could be it could range from whatever extremity. I think it's important to look back on what what I could have done better and where I can improve upon. I'm all about the you know, making the next time a lot better. Um, so I, I, I love that point that you bring up. I want to transition also, you mentioned the whole aspect of teamwork, right? And the importance of it. Uh, I don't know if you can talk to uh, the actual atmosphere that is created within a team. Uh, maybe less so the, the specific tasks that each person does, because it's very specific and it might not be completely relevant for everyone and I don't know how much you can actually get into uh, detail Um, but yeah the whole atmosphere of how you build a team or the chief builds a team if you uh, you being a part of that team how it works so it doesn't matter what situation you're in how far into the situation you're you're never alone Mm -hmm. there's no I in team at the very least when you're in a burning building you have a partner the reason for if God forbid something happens, your partner is there for you. There have there has been multiple times where I could personally say that um, I'm happy I had a partner with me. Mm-hmm. And it just really lets you feel safe and comfortable that you have somebody with you. Um, so you're, you're never alone. You may feel like you're alone, but there's always somebody either by your side or in contact with you on the radio. That's incredible. And do you think there's any skills or scenarios that go on within firefighting that you see yourself reflecting on during a mundane everyday life activity? I don't know if my question's clear enough, but where you really connect to a lesson that you really picked up from firefighting and you're applying that lesson to real life? A hundred percent. One of the lessons I've learned from firefighting, which I tend to use all the time, is plan A may work, but you have to have plan B, C, and D lined up in case plan A doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I could personally tell you that when you're in a burning building, getting in is great, but getting out is 10 times harder. So you have to plan that out before you even go in. You have to plan out how you're going to get out before you even go in. So uh, one of the biggest lessons I've taken from firefighting is on-the-spot critical thinking. And I apply that to both my studies and my internship work. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Um, Okay, I want to also get some practical advice for the listeners because you are a firefighter. If a fire is starting, (laughs) um, what is the best thing that someone can do to either put it out or, I mean, obviously I would say the first thing to do is to call the fire department in your country uh, if it's getting to that point. But what is something that they could maybe do to first prevent and also uh, put out a mini fire that is potentially going to grow? So the best thing to do is to, one, you know, if there is a fire breaking out, get everyone away. Mm-hmm. You know, you may want to act like a hero, but 100%. You could be a firefighter. If I were in a position where I was in, like, shul and there mm-hmm. was a fire, even though I could, depending on how big 
how small the fire is. And even if I thought I'd be able to put it on myself, first thing I'm doing is calling the fire department. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd rather call them and put it out myself versus me trying to put it out and then wish that I had called them earlier. Right. Then um, I would like to, when there's a fire, you know, thinking outside the box isn't going to help you too much. So the best thing to do at that point is think inside the box. What do you have near you that can help you? Mm-hmm. You know, whether you have like a blanket that you could just throw on top of the fire or anything really, or if there are any fire extinguishers around, mm-hmm. you know, you'd want to use those tools. But the most important thing is everyone has got to get out because if, uh, if it gets too big and everyone's still inside, you know, it's not a good situation. All right. A hundred percent. I think that's uh, important advice for people who uh, get themselves stuck in a situation where, you know, you just you have to really run and seek help first. I think that's the important thing to realize here. Um, great. So I want to transition right now. You're you're in communications at IDC. Um, I want to ask more of what are your future plans uh, with firefighting and then also with your, uh, I want to say career, but I feel like both can maybe connect uh, or, or what are really your plans within the next 5, 10, wherever you see yourself in the next couple of years. So my entire life, my experience with firefighting has been volunteer. Mm-hmm. And in school, my experience has been working towards marketing. Mm-hmm. So at the given moment, I'm at a little bit of a crossroads between the two. Mm-hmm. And I haven't found a connection between the two yet. And given my status at this point, which is in school, I've been focusing most of my time on marketing and applying for jobs. And Maybe there is one day where I become a firefighter in Israel, but I believe it's uh, my best interest at this point to focus on marketing. Right. Now, I think, um, again, an amazing point that life is is organic. I like to think so. And uh, you can have many different things that are your interests and you can put pause in certain things, right? Um, I don't know if you can maybe share other... uh, small interests that you had along the way, maybe even through your childhood, uh, hobbies, sports, that you maybe had thought at one point, okay, I'll pursue them, and then it kind of just, you paused. And I feel like it's totally okay, but I I don't know if you can talk to some of those. Sure. So, um, uh, you know, my interests have changed over the years drastically. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a fireman, so I'm happy I was able to do it. <laughs> were, you, were you that kid with a Halloween costume or porn costume? I was costume? that kid, yes. <laughs> That's incredible. Perm. Wow. You, you definitely have pictures of before, like when you're a kid, and then in uniform now, uh, right? Maybe my mom has a couple. Wow, you have to do a before and after picture. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, at one point, I thought maybe I would become a lawyer, a psychologist. So I've definitely had different ideas and different interests. Um, getting older and my interest now is marketing Mm -hmm. incredible yeah and and, i mean like i mentioned earlier it's life is organic and uh, things can change uh for the listeners i want to say that if you're interested in one day doing xyz it could be firefighting um i want to ask you like what's the entry point for someone that would win would want to start firefighting is there is there a limit is there how does that work if someone was that kid like yourself and they never really thought about it because it doesn't seem like a regular, you know, uh, common path to take. Uh, what's the acceptance process uh, at the very beginning if someone doesn't want to pursue that? 
So uh, every single year, our department does an open house mm-hmm. where um, parents, children, doesn't matter how old you are, uh, they can come and kind of just watch what we do. Mm-hmm. We um, let them go on the trucks, look at all the machines that we have, and we do demonstrations, breaking open doors, putting out fires. And if you have any interest in becoming a firefighter, or even if you don't have an interest and you're looking to have one, my recommendation is going to an open house or just going on a tour of the fire department Mm -hmm. and kind of see what you would want to be dealing with. And if you are interested in pursuing that, then go for it immediately. Right. Uh, And it basically is just approaching the fire chief there or even one of the firemen that is doing the presentation and just asking, how do I? 100%. You know, um, there's no like... you could just talk to anybody in the department. Mm-hmm. The higher the rank of the officer, the better. Mm-hmm. And once you join, there is some time between joining and going into a burning building. So if you're a type of person that has that fear of jumping into something too quickly, you won't have a problem joining a fire department. Right. Because there's the proper buildup of skills. Correct. And, and I want to say... Uh, resilience to that fear if that makes any sense yeah um, for sure and i, I want to talk to that point because if we use firefighting as a metaphor for any skill i think it really does apply because let's say it was painting or i don't know architecture whatever it may be you can have this goal in the in the horizon and a lot of times you're like okay right now i want to become a firefighter and you expect it in in our instantaneous society that we live in today to you know in the next month you're already the hero going into the building and you you envision yourself already at the end point or at the the goal right i think it's very important to emphasize that process right okay so um i could personally tell you that i've always wanted to be that hero Mm -hmm. and i believe that through the work i've done i've achieved pretty much what I've wanted to achieve. There is a there is a time and place. Mm-hmm. When you join, you are a probationary firefighter mm-hmm. and you have to prove yourself to get out of that probationary period through tests. I uh, going to fire school. I went to fire school when I was 17 and it was an amazing experience. Um, so you definitely have to work up to the point where you can kind of just be that guy. Right. Running into a burning building. And when you work hard enough and when you love what you do, that time flies. Mm-hmm. It flew for me. Right. It felt like a couple of weeks until I was able to do what I wanted to do. And it was six months. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it goes to the cliche of uh, you got to really appreciate the journey and not just the, desti- the destination. Um, so that's incredible. I don't know if you have any added tips or tricks if someone wants to pursue could be firefighting or something else uh for the the starting point and yeah for people to go from there so 100 percent. whenever you have an interest jump on it for two reasons one if you don't somebody else will and that's a fact second is why wait if mm-hmm. you have an interest for something what are you waiting for just go for it. You know, what's stopping you? You know, 
you could wait for something your entire life, and then what if it doesn't work? You, ha- you have to make it happen. So if you have an interest on, for something, go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like a lot of times there might be even the, the fear of what other people think, right? I don't know if you ever had that of uh, when you were in high school. I mean, I'm just thinking of my high school. There wasn't one student that was a volunteer firefighter, and I'm just thinking of the socially, what would people kind of think about it? It's like, well, yeah, he's crazy, or yeah, he's pursuing this uh, endeavor, and he did. Did you have any negative or positive feedback from your peers in school, and how was that like? What I want to really emphasize with the question is, how did you react to the feedback? Because when once you do get someone who is mean or someone who's cheering you on, was it you tuning it out and just kind of being like, okay, this is what I want to do, and strict to your your path and your dream or was there a sense of damn you know he's right like maybe i should go to parties like what was the inner struggle if you could maybe talk to it a little bit there was no struggle at all you Mm -hmm. know if it was something that i knew in the back of my head i wasn't gonna like you know i kind of just went through one ear and out the other um i've been in situations where you know children especially where they're just excited to see a firefighter and they say like um wow, I'd love to see the truck. And then, you know, it's been a call I went on where I had time, did my job, I had like a couple of minutes. So I was like, come on, let's go. Brought him on top of the truck and he had the time of his life. I took a picture with the kid. Um, so I kind of just pick and choose what That's I listen incredible. to. That's like you like being with the little version of yourself, right? Like, I don't right. know, like how was that like when you were, did you have that experience of going to a department? And uh, I did when I was... I couldn't even tell you how old I was. It was a very long time ago. Uh, my mom brought my brothers and I to a fire department. Mm-hmm. It ends up being not the fire department I joined, but uh, a different one. But I had the opportunity to go on the trucks, see all the machinery and tools, and it was the coolest thing in the world. That's amazing. Wow, that's that's really cool that you had that uh, closure in a, in a way of you kind of doing that for another kid. Who knows, this kid might be uh, having that dream now as well. You know, it's a... It's, uh, to cycle, and I think it's really important to to realize that you you were there, and now you were able to achieve it. And it was the kid in the Halloween costume or Purim costume, and now you you have to do that picture. <laughs> you really have to do it. You gotta call up your mom. Mom, I need the picture of me in a Purim costume um, to do the before and after because I think that's incredible. I actually a similar situation happened with me with uh, the the Israeli army, right? Uh, where I came when I was a little kid. I think I was seven. And I saw soldiers in Jerusalem and, you know, you're a tourist, so you're walking around and you see these uh, big guys with, with guns walking around and, and you're, you're not used to it. Because in Israel, it's, it's very, you know, natural for soldiers to be walking around. Um, and suddenly my brother came up to me and he's like, you see those, those guys over there, they're, they're protecting all the civilians in Israel and they're, they're heroes. And I was like a little kid. I think I was even wearing a shirt. That's um, that was like a Spider-Man shirt, and he even pointed at his shirt. You see Spider-Man? Yeah, he's fake. These are real heroes. <laughs> Something along those lines. And um, I don't even know if my brother remembers this, but uh, but yeah, he said that, and it really stayed with me. Um, and later down the line, my cousin also joined the army, so I, I had all these uh, very similar to your story of like when I was a kid and it got ingrained in me, right? And then I ended up uh, also doing it. So I, I think the message I want to leave the listeners with is that even the crazy right because firefighting seems like when you're a kid or even when 
adults are like, well, that's like for for the hero complex people, right? It it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? It it it's just putting in the effort and the time and the hard work to really get to that initial goal that you set for yourself when you were a kid or when you're 35, you know, you can set goals, new goals along the way. We, we spoke to the fact that it's uh, life is organic. So I don't know if you have any other final thoughts, final messages that you'd want to maybe share with the listeners. Um, yeah. Sure. So what I had stated a little bit before is if you have a dream, if you have an interest, just go for it, you know, get the job and then learn how to do it. Just, just go for it. Yeah. Go for the experiences. Incredible. Well, Harry, it's really been uh, a pleasure to have you on the on the show. Um, and yeah, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dreamer Talks. I'd love to have you back again next week. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review of what you thought of the podcast. I'd really like the input to make this podcast as engaging and entertaining as possible. So once again, a big thank you and I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching and keep on dreaming. dreaming.